Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. After an EFL Easter extravaganza, we assess the winners and losers. Who's cracking up, who's hoppy, and who's hot, cross and done. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, Matt Davis-Adams talking at you a day later than usual so we could reflect on that busy Easter period in the English Football League. As well as you, listener, the we I refer to includes Adrian Clark. Morning, Adrian. Hello. It's the afternoon, but you know. Might be the morning when some people listen. Uh, Sam Parkin, how are you? Hello, Matt. I didn't see how Forrest got on. Let's just uh, raise that from the memory, shall we, for the weekend. <laughs> six points from six, including... Uh, what was good about it, I thought, was it, it was like the, the curse of QPR at the city ground had been lifted the last few years, so it's, it's nice to see it's been restored. I saw um, um, their social media manager play three goals from a, a victory over Rangers in the 90s, but conveniently left off the two that Rangers scored in that fixture, I think. <laughs> That's good social media management. Um, also with us this week, Michelle Owen. How are you doing, Michelle? Hello, yes, good, thank you. It's currently snowing, which is ridiculous because I had shorts on this time last week. So it was a cold weekend on the country, so I'm sure you all felt as well. But lo- lovely to be back with you. And lovely to have you. A uh, slightly different vibe to the show this week with apologies to Daniel Story for stealing his gimmick. It's a winners and losers special, or as Adrian put it, our cream eggs and rotten eggs of this EFL Easter. Uh, we'll start our look back in the Championship. See you there presently. Championship headlines. A report in the Daily Mail claims that 10 Championship clubs were placed under transfer embargo last month for administrative rather than financial reasons. Coventry, one of the clubs under the embargo, released a statement on Tuesday morning explaining that this was because they are filing their accounts three months later than usual, as permitted by the government due to the COVID crisis. The EFL, though, not allowing the same extension. City say the embargo will be lifted once the accounts are filed and that it will have no effect on the day-to-day running of the club. On the pitch, Norwich and Watford remain in the top two positions, 15 and 10 points clear of the rest respectively. Four points separate Brentford in third and Bournemouth in sixth. And at the bottom, there were huge wins for Wickham, Birmingham, Coventry and Sheffield Wednesday, for whom manager Darren Moore has tested positive for COVID-19. And speaking of Sheffield Wednesday, joining us now to talk all things else is the Athletic seven-day-a-week Wednesday expert, Nancy Frostick. Nancy, where on earth did that win on Monday come from? Presumably that, that's the best you've seen them play this season. Yeah, it's probably the best I've seen them play for about uh, 18 months, to be honest. So, um, yeah, it felt like uh, it was definitely a, a performance that anyone who watches Wednesday regularly has, has probably earned as much as, the, uh, as much as the players have earned it as well. There has been a gradual improvement under Darren Moore, but I don't think anyone was expecting uh, quite what we saw. So a bit of a resurrection on Easter Monday. <laughs> and then it, I said, where did it come from? I mean, there were signs of life in, in that game against Watford, weren't there, on Friday? They were a bit unlucky to lose that. Yeah, I think um, there was a bit of uh, controversy about um, Watford's goal um, with Tom Lee's kind of playing people on and offside. And it was a bit complicated, but... 
ultimately, yeah, I think Wednesday felt a bit hard, hard done by and probably, you know, felt like they could have got a point from that at least, um, which against a side like Watford, you know, it isn't a bad result for Wednesday. There's no denying the fact that they, you know, justifiably are at the bottom of the table. So, um, but yeah, that complete kind of um, progression then onto onto Monday and um, they seem to find another gear and just Cardiff absolutely couldn't handle them. So it was a great... Um, a great improvement and Darren Moore wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, do we know how much longer he's likely to be out for? Obviously, tested positive for, for COVID and, and missed the game at Vicarage Road as, as well as on Monday. Yeah, but well, by all accounts, he um, he, he sounds, like, sounds like he's doing well um, in terms of how he's feeling. Jamie Smith, his assistant, kind of um, came out after the game yesterday and said that uh, that he was feeling, um, well, probably a lot better after watching the, watching the game. But um uh, I think he has to do the the seven to ten days, and then um, he's also uh, suffers with asthma as well. So I just don't know if that will kind of factor into how quickly he comes back in terms of you know just his kind of well being, I suppose. But um, but yeah, so it, there's a chance he might be back for QPR on on Saturday, but um, it's not sort of nailed on. I don't think in terms of I think he has to be retested. So. Do you think that, that, I mean, it's an obvious question to, to ask now, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, do you think, given the upturn in recent weeks, it did take a while for him to kind of get a tune out of Wednesday. Do you think that they'll regret not appointing him sooner? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think that was kind of one of the main takeaways from from yesterday's result, really, was kind of where might Wednesday be now if if they'd got him in after they sat Gary Monk instead of sort of giving those 10 games to, to Tony Pulis or even if they'd got him in you know, sooner. Um, Neil Thompson did a good job in that month that he was in charge between, you know, Pulis being sacked and then more coming in. But it just seems that, you know, that week across the international break, they've got some really good um, work done on the training ground and they just seem to have, have clicked with more, probably unlike they have um, with a manager for quite some time at Wednesday. It started off well under Gary Monk, but I think, you know, things then got a bit more difficult for them all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you do wonder why when things weren't quite so bleak around November, December, yes, they were still kind of in the relegation zone, but it was still very much um, recoverable at, at that point. Um, whereas now it looks, you know, harder and harder, even with that win yesterday. But yeah, you, you do wonder where they'd be now if, if they'd got him in sooner. Right. If you had to make a prediction now, um, are they going to stay up or not? <sighs> tough if they play like yesterday then yeah I, I would like to think so but I sense this will be a case of other results maybe deciding it and on that basis maybe not so I'm completely on the fence there that was a, a complete non-answer sorry <laughs> <laughs> it was nicely swept Nancy thanks so much for joining us today no worries Nancy Frostick there read her only in The Athletic Easter winners and losers, then. It's a fairly self-explanatory format, but for the avoidance of doubt, our three experts will pick a team each from every division who enjoyed an excellent Easter and three hot cross bums. Um, Michelle, we'll start with you. Your championship winners are Watford. Victory against Wednesday on Friday, then a one-all draw with Borough on Monday. Not outstanding results, but they have increased the gap between they and third place from six to ten points. Is that why you made them your winners? That is exactly why, because even though they weren't outstanding, over the weekend, things went their way. So not in terms of perhaps the performances they put in, but in terms of how the weekend went for them, that they definitely 
won overall. I mean, no one in the top six bettered what they did over the weekend. I know we've got Norwich and, and Brentford still to play. Um, but the performance against Sheffield Wednesday didn't sound amazing from what I heard down my headphones. Um but they held on, which is what they need to do at this stage of the season. And then Borough, I know it sounds very cliche, but it is a hard place to go. And Borough haven't been in the best of form lately. And I know some Watford fans were feeling pretty aggrieved about some of the performances I saw, particularly on social media. Ken, is it Ken Semmer or Ken Seema? He gave away an unnecessary free kick. It led to the goal. They weren't happy with him. They were saying all he does is foul. But this is a Watford side that were going for a seventh straight win. So they've been getting the results no matter how. And four points from six over the Easter weekend, I think most Watford fans would have taken that. You know, they're keeping the pressure on the other sides around them. And like I said, no one in the top six over the weekend did better than what they did. Um, So maybe some concerns over the performances, but at this stage, we're on the home straight. If you can just get it done, if you can just get it over the line now. I mean, they're a lot more of the ball at Borough, which you might expect. Couldn't do a lot with it. Um, But, I would imagine when they look back on this weekend and they look ahead to the next important game, um, they'll be fairly satisfied um, before they come up against Reading on Friday night, which is going to be another tough game. And remember, they've still got Norwich and Brentford and Swansea to play. And actually, Adrian, for a club that that always feels a couple of steps away from a crisis, they've been pretty consistent this season. Still haven't suffered back-to-back defeats in the league, so they're doing something right. Definitely, yeah. They've managed to manage games pretty well, I think, over the course of this season. Haven't ever really been free-flowing, barring, I think, one absolute tonking that they dished out. No, they've they've just done enough to win games, haven't they? It's it's not been wholly convincing, but but this you just have to look at the league table and you can see that it's a formula that can that can get you up if you're solid at the back and you you can you can nick the odd goal here and there. It will take you a long way. They're going to have to create more, I think. Just two shots on target in each of the last two games. Obviously, they scored from 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 one of those in each of the matches. I think yeah, in in these tough games that are to come, Norwich away, Brentford away, Swansea and Reading at home, Millwall at home, Millwall are resurgent. And the, the only game they don't have against someone that, that has something to play for is the derby against Luton uh, at Kenilworth Road. So it is a really tough run-in. Um, can, they, can they produce a bit more chance creation in those games or, or will they come a cropper? We'll have to wait and see. 50 points at home, which is eight more than Norwich have, have managed. And, Beautiful pitch at Vicarage Road, playing some really good football, I think, in the last few weeks and starting to get that respect. And I thought Neil Warnock's comments um, prior to the game that they had to, I think it was after the game, actually, they had to play as if they were the um, the, the away side against Watford. And I think that just shows you what, what they've become over the last few weeks. Um, tough watch for a few months. And the last few weeks, they've been really entertaining. And I think that's a tough challenge for, for Reading on Friday given the uh, the reasons I've just stated. Sam, I had to look this up. Can you remember the name of the bloke who started the season as Watford manager? Uh, Ivic. <laughs> Push you for a first name? Vladimir. Yes, well done. <laughs> um, Adrian, your championship winners are Bournemouth. Victories over Borough and Blackburn for them over Easter. Point off the playoffs. Jonathan Wilgate saying, ugly Bournemouth, he'll take that all day long. We... We were a bit meh when when he got the job, but do we owe him, if not an apology, then then at least some props? Well, let's see. Yeah, no, he's doing a good job, um, but but I think it, it 
all depends on where they end up, really, um, Bournemouth. Um, two excellent results, two very, very average performances, yet they they won over Easter by five goals to one. So so that is, is a really good sign. I, I heard it was a dreadful game against Borough. They, they ended up winning it, it, it 3-1. They won at Blackburn, really scrappy, windy, bumpy, win it 2-0. Only had 13 shots across across those two games as well, Bournemouth. So, so it's it's quite impressive the the efficiency. I think some players are stepping up to the mark at the moment. Obviously, Billing has really come to the fore, hasn't he? Three goals in three, and he's a bit of a unique sort of talent, really, isn't he? Billing, he's massive, which is kind of unusual for a, for a central midfielder. Um, he he can be a holding player, but but at the moment he's being used as a number ten, which I think you have to give credit to Woodgate for because he's seen something in him where he wants him to break in into the box and to score goals he, he, he's turned into the championship sort of Thomas Suchek isn't he Philip Billing at the moment um, the big guy that breaks into the box to to finish off chances and and that's a bonus really um, especially if a Solanke isn't really on it and we know that Solanke is a bit inconsistent um, great goal I love Dan Juma's goal um, cheeky little nutmeg wasn't it from uh, Pearson's pass and just bent it into the bottom corner and of course on the back of these two wins we've also got David Brooks back fit um, and available for the running so things are looking up I think for the Cherries who will be buzzing at six points from two yeah sort of so-so performances over Easter their form now is only bettered by the top two so it is the right time to be finding that form isn't it yeah absolutely and they kind of need to go up if you if you believe what you read about the state of their finances very heavily reliant on their owner uh, we're heading to the opposite end of the table for sam's championship winners wickham wanderers uh, i've heard talk that you scored the most famous goal in their history sam but but that might be about <laughs> to change if they pull off the uh, the greatest of great escapes one nil at home to blackburn and then three nil at rotherham their first easter weekend double since 1992 uh, abby tells me they were 11 points from safety they've they've cut it to eight but they've only got 18 left to play for is it are they actually looking at a, a great escape sort of bid or is it about getting themselves in in a decent shape for next season oh no no, it's on, isn't it? It's on. Um, <laughs> I thought it was uh, very much finished. I think me and Michelle were at QPR uh, the same night a few weeks ago when they, they got beaten there and they had a look at a, a different system, different style of play. And I thought that was potentially them looking ahead to next season. But what a brilliant few days for them. And I'm just uh, scribbling down a few great escapes in, in the past. Jimmy Glass springs to mind. Uh, Carlisle, the Wickham one at Torquay. I think they were they were down and out when they stayed in the football league, and I think Barnet have achieved the great escape on about fifteen occasions because <laughs> I know that my mate Mark Hughes scored one of the goals that kept them in the football league. But I think this would surpass anything that's gone before, just because of the challenge that was presented to them at the start of the season, the deficit that they're trying to claw back. So yeah, this would would tick every box, but. I think they probably have to win five from six of the remaining games. Um, they got a problem at the weekend. Luton have never lost at Wickham in any competition, 14 games. And they've got to face both Welsh sides and they've got to face Bournemouth as well. So they've got it all to do. But if Blackburn was a, um, a tight game, obviously they um, had the luxury of running out three goals um, to nil against against Rotherham, some brilliant defensive performances. Let's not get away from that as well. Grimmer and and Stockdale were excellent, and my mate Dave Wheeler coming on, which was a really sensible 
substitution at that stage, getting a bit more muscle, a bit more running power onto the pitch, and he scored a brilliant goal for Macken was Flick. No doubt, Adrian, there's there's been a benefit to to those teams who've had fewer players called up for international duty over the last fortnight. You know, Gareth Ainsworth's effectively had two weeks on the training ground with a full squad, which is not something that managers have often been afforded this season. No, it's a good shout that. And he and he did use that that time wisely. He switched, didn't he, to a to a back three for the game against against Blackburn. And it worked pretty well, obviously with the result and the performance with Onya Dimma sort of a, a left-wing back and McCarthy down the right. And I noticed that even though they kind of went back to a back four for the Rotherham game, it was the same personnel. So they could switch in and out of a back three and a back four, uh, w- whether they were on the ball or off the ball. And I, th- I think that's that's something that's that's developed over the course of this season from, from Wickham. I know that Gareth Ainsworth has said he wishes he'd had all of the players that he's got available now fit at the start of the campaign and available to him. And, and you do wonder, had they struck on this formula then, where they would be? I mean, four clean sheets in five is not to be sniffed at. Ten points from a possible 15. Um, so, no, it, it is on. But the teams above them, kind of only, the, the ones outside the relegation zone, they only really need to, to win one and draw one. And I think it just takes it away from Wickham. So, my money's still on them to, to go down, sadly. We can hear from David Stockdale, the Wickham keeper, with Ali and George on Thursday's show. Uh, to the losers then, Michelle, you've picked Swansea. They've lost ground on the top two after defeats to Birmingham and Preston. Uh, you've got, I think, automatic promotions probably gone for them. Are they, they in danger of doing a forest? <laughs> yeah, they massively are in danger of doing a, a forest. Four straight defeats, four games without a goal, um, 10 points adrift of the top two now. There's only seven games left. Uh, even a playoff place like you say it's not guaranteed um, because Bournemouth are now only four points behind Swansea so it's just a really bad time to have this form but I'm not that surprised I remember being on with you maybe a few weeks ago and saying I was worried about Swansea's goal scoring that the fact that just they didn't seem to be firing up front they could get a goal here and there but it was never emphatic well they've not scored for four games no shots on target as well. Earlier in the season, they had that amazing defensive record. But that's gone awry. That's gone wobbly too. One thing I've seen a lot of, and when I've been to Swansea, I haven't been down for a few weeks, but when I've been down there, uh, some of the local press and, and the sort of vibe you get when you do look at what fans are saying, not at the ground, but on social media, is that Steve Cooper is just really slow to change things in games. And when he does make a change, maybe it's not the right change. I'm always a little bit reluctant to criticise managers too much because I just think we only see a snippet of what goes on over the course of seven days. And there must be reasons why they're not changing things how we we think they should. But it's the worst time to have a difficult period. You know, they they were coming up against Preston um, yesterday. They started the game 17th in the table. Swansea, if they have those automatic aspirations, should be putting those sides to bed. Nothing's that cut and dry in the championship we know that but yeah the the attacking players are coming short but now so is the defense so is the whole team um and they've got to snap out of it because i think automatic's gone now sam it's the hardest problem in football to solve isn't it if you, if you can't score goals by far the fewest in in the top eight michelle mentions that their recent struggles in front of goal there's no easy solution to it no i, I was having a little look this morning and if you remember uh, liam cullen 
scored a few goals um, a few months ago and got injured, I think, in an FA Cup game. He's nearing fitness. That's one option. But I thought it was fascinating that he changed the shape, um, given that we're at the start of April and it's taken him to this point to to do that. I'm not saying that it, it needed to set, uh, change before now, but I just thought that was really interesting. And he still ends up looking like a bit of a wally, doesn't he, I suppose, in the wake of a, a 1-0 home defeat against Preston. So it's such a difficult job. And of course, the players have to take the responsibility. Um, and I think, Swansea, not that they really overplay this season, quite to the, the contrary, really. I think this is probably the most direct Swansea team that we've seen. But in that, they don't really have an out-and-out striker who can get hold of the ball. IU takes up some great positions. He's really good at protecting the ball when it comes into his feet or his body. But if they have to go long, it's just coming straight back because low and IU can't get hold of it. And what could have been for Jordan Morris? And I know I talked him up and uh, very quickly his season was over. But honestly, that was the signing. That was the signing to give them a plan B and unfortunately it was taken cruelly away from them. And it's a sign, what's happened to Swansea is a sign of how fragile football teams always are because just cast your mind back a few months, they were the, the team that were most in control of the way they played. They had this system, everything they were doing, they were doing in their sleep, comfortably playing one and two touch. They made it look easy as a team and 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 teams weren't creating hardly anything against them and, and now their confidence is confidence is shot in possession and and out of it so good players can go through these these spells very quickly it can engulf a team just over the, over a period of one or two weeks you can just go and that and that's what's happened to Swansea but that doesn't mean they can't get it back they've just got to go back to basics and and graft their way through it it's the only way yeah and I know it sounds like again a little bit cliche but it's that momentum thing at this stage of the season it's just so so important you lose momentum now and it just falls away like we saw with Forrest last season yeah thanks for Sorry. that Michelle um, <laughs> <laughs> well Easter of course traditionally a time when chicks enjoy their moments in the spotlight but little for ornithologists in South Wales to cheer with the swans struggling and the bluebirds swooping down the promotion pecking order uh, Cardiff are your losers Sam no surprise after a couple of defeats to nil to teams in the wrong half of the table no disgrace in losing to the two time European champions of course but not sure any of us saw them getting pumped 5-0 by Wednesday in the other avian derby um, Sam Sam, was that great run they were on anything other than a, an extended new manager bounce um, yeah I think a lot of it was down to that and having a full complement of, of players especially Defensive players. I think Morrison's probably the last player, along with Kiefer Moore, that you'd want to be missing if you was a Cardiff fan. Um, I think he just knits it all together. He's been a brilliant player for them. Fullbacks as well, lost both their their left backs. So I think Joe Rawls played there yesterday against Sheffield Wednesday and 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 obviously they got a hide in. So I think that's been a big thing. And obviously when he got the job, Mick McCarthy, we probably felt it was going to be a quick fix until the summer and then maybe go a, a different way. And some of the Cardiff fans, I would imagine, are thinking in the, in that chain of thought right now, even though he signed the new contract, because the form since he signed the new contract has been desperate. One win in, in six and, and obviously two straight defeats over Easter. So it looks like the playoffs have gone. Um and they'll be strong next year if they do persist with Mick McCarthy. That would be my feeling. But I would imagine there'll be speculation, you know, as to whether he's the man to take them forward. 
bit overly reliant on Kiefer Moore as well, Clarky. 16 of their 55 league goals. Next top scorers, Morrison and Ojo, both on five. Yeah, you'd say so. Um, and also Harry Wilson, I think, to be that, that lively, buzzy, creative spark. He, I noticed that he was on the bench for the for the Wednesday game. I think he has to play. They had Bakuna and, and Williams in behind Moore. And it's just not the same. I don't think without without someone like Harry Wilson, who can who can just take a game away from an opponent, just like that, with it with a moment of quality, whether it's from a set piece or or a shot from from long distance. And Moore Moore's a brilliant centre forward. I think he's one of the championship's best. But he needs he needs the ammunition. And I, I think that that over the Easter weekend, particularly in that second game, they they didn't really give him much much ammo. Um, the Forest match they created enough. It just wasn't just wasn't their day, but um, but yeah, Kiefer Moore that he needs a bit. He needs someone else to to have up his sleeve as a plan B if he's injured or if he is in need of a of a breather or to to stick up top alongside him, of course. Uh, while we're with you, Adrian, you've chosen Rotherham uh, as your losers. What a terrible Easter it was for them. Two games that, that look winnable, certainly one of them at least, and they ended up with with no points from them. And, and all of a sudden, from us saying last week, well, you know, if they hit a run, then they get they get going with these games in hand. You never know. It looks a lot trickier now. Oh, it really does, doesn't it? Yeah, terrible start to this sort of congested into the season uh, for, for the Millers. Um Obviously, they blew it a bit. To some degree, they blew it at Millwall because they had the penalty with Michael Smith. But, but having said that, it was a brilliant save. It was an amazing penalty stop from from Bialkowski, um, who has been, who was really good in that game. Even though Rotherham didn't didn't play brilliantly with ten men, they put up a fight. And 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 you would have thought, even though they lost that game, they could look at it and think, right, we weren't that bad. We'll, we'll go and beat Wickham. But they tightened up. And it can happen. Obviously, it's a huge game. And when so much is riding on a fixture and you know that it's, a, it's that six-pointer, it can work two ways. For Wickham, they definitely rose to the, the challenge. But for Rotherham, it seemed like they, they got a bit edgy and nervous. And I mean, just a look at the first goal. Two players going for the same ball in the air. They miss it, the flick on and the players in. And, and, and there was another goal from a long ball as well. And if one team in the division should be able to handle long balls it's Rotherham they're massive so so yeah they'll be they'll be absolutely choked about about that result but they they can't dwell on it it's just one of those like with with the same with Swansea and Cardiff you've just got you've got to sort of erase it go back to basics and 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 run and work your way through it that's the, that's the only way um and to become that that team that's hard to hard to play against again Michelle, we mentioned this run of uh, four home games that they've got coming up later on this month. Certainly, the two against Coventry and Birmingham are now must-win just because you'd be taking points off them as much as getting them yourself. Uh, yeah, but um, Rotherham, I know they've had a broken-up season, but they've only won at home once since December the 12th. So even though they've had these highs on the road and had some some great results, they're at the beginning of a run of five home games out of six and for any other side, you might think that's great. They're all at home, which is what you want. But we know that home advantage actually doesn't mean that much this season across a lot of teams, and, and they're definitely one. So, yeah, it may be that that they wish they were away from home for these, but some huge games coming up. You know, when I did uh, the Bristol City game where Rotherham got that result, it was 2-0, wasn't it? Two weeks ago before the international break, I was like, wow, yeah, they might make a fist of this. And I remember Paul Warren watching at home from his 
shed because he was isolating with COVID. Yeah, I'm sure he wishes he was back there yesterday, but um, I don't know if they'll fancy being at home. Time will tell with that one. Uh, let's get some odds championship-wise then, courtesy of Paddy Power and producer Abby. So we'll do winners and losers odds as well then, Abby, i.e. promotion and relegation. What are Paddy Power saying? Well, let's go with winner to begin with. And at, at the moment, you'll be unsurprised to hear, it is the Canaries Norwich 1-14 to to win the championship Watford 7-1. to As for promotion in general, though, uh, again, um, you can't actually bet on uh, Norwich to be promoted. So done and dusted as far as Paddy Power are concerned. Watford 1-9, to Brentford third favourites, uh, 11 to 10 and Bournemouth uh, 3 to 1 clearly they were listening to Richie Wellens on Quest last night who's been uh, tipping Bournemouth to be the, the third promoted team um, from the championship as for the relegation still can't bet on Wickham to be relegated uh, despite this back-to-back uh, wins they are not going to they are not going to survive according to Paddy Power it is Sheffield Wednesday then 1 to 6 Rotherham Four to five and uh, Birmingham uh, 15 to eight, uh, if you fancy that. Okay, that's the championship winners and losers done. League one, get ready. Four. 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 Ten. The Masters at Augusta and Paddy Power are paying even more places than usual. So you get money on your each way bet if your golfer finishes in the top 10 places. That's right. A top 10. Paddy Power. Online exclusive. Pre-tournament each way bets on winner market at one fifth odds. Dead heat rules and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Shh, you too. Oh, sorry. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. Big one headlines, Hull and Peterborough continue to occupy the top two places. It's tight at the bottom with only four points separating 23rd place Wigan from 19th Northampton. Plymouth boss Ryan Lowe didn't hold back after his team's limp display in their 3-0 defeat to Shrewsbury. Disgraceful to be honest. Yeah, absolute raging inside that. Because that didn't epitomise me, that performance, especially the second half. Um, and they need to take a good look at themselves. And Sunderland have announced the appointment of James Young as the club's head of analysis and data. He previously worked with Team GB and Saracens Rugby Club. Kevin Phillips isn't convinced, the Black Cats legend said. Will it really make a big difference? Let's be honest, it's just someone sitting on the computer every day. It's a good way to break (laughs) a computer. Uh, League One winners and losers then. Sam Blackpool are your winners. Quietly going about their business this weekend. A 2-0 win over Swindon and a 4-1 bashing of Gillingham and they're up to fifth. Yeah, um, in unbelievable form. Um, unbeaten in 13 now. Uh, obviously, as you said, notched up a couple of wins. Swindon game. Swindon couldn't get the ball in the, in the first half. It was a bit of a, a masterclass. Jerry Yates, absolutely on fire. I think that's four straight games he's scored in now. Um, I think the first player to get 20 since Andy Morell. I, I read 2006-2007 promotion season. On, so On that, Sam... He didn't score in the first 11 games either. Oh, they were terrible the first first, mm. first yeah. part of the season there, weren't they? They were really yeah. bad. That's amazing. To get to 20 and to yeah. break that record, having basically just sat out the first couple of months of the season. It might be, you know, he, he was the bridesmaid last season, wasn't he? Very, in a very successful partnership with Owen Doyle. But um, maybe like we, we've touched on with some strikers, Paul Mullen being a good example, he's a player that does so much for the team. 
So, so maybe just having that focus on being the goal scorer, being the main man this season, took a while to click into gear. He had that nice partnership uh, early part of the season with the big centre forward whose name escapes me. Gary Medine. Gary Medine. And now Sims has come in from, from Everton and they seem to be working really nicely together as well. So, no, I mean, he is the star man, but I think it's across the piece because Ballard from Arsenal is getting rave reviews. Um, I think Kai Kai, Sims, Embleton, they've got real ammunition going forward. Um, Kenny Dougal as well, who had that brilliant spell at Barnsley, seems to be running midfield games alongside Grant. So they are, they've gone from being dark horses to being a team that you could really envisage getting promoted now. Two really impressive results. Clark, did you pick yourself up one of those Jerry Yates t-shirts? <laughs> Thumbs up for Jerry Yates. Yeah. Um, I Club think this is something he's been doing for right. uh, not that... just this season, but last season as well. Just like... What? A quite deadpan thumbs up whenever he's around the, the club media. So I think it's something that's run and run. <laughs> wow, look, get yourself a... a, 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 a oh, it's like a catchphrase, isn't it? It's like a, it. yeah, a visible catchphrase. And then you get your own club merch. Love it. <laughs> Can I just Not... add about, about Blackpool? Um, sorry to uh, digress from the club merch. But um, <laughs> they've got 56 points from the last 28 games. That's an average of two points a game. And I read that if you did that for the entire season, you're guaranteed a top two finish. That's 92 points. So if it wasn't for that, as you just mentioned, that awful start to the season, mm. they'd be in the automatic spots, wouldn't they? But obviously, they had the awful start to the season. <laughs> um, you could say something similar, I suppose, about Portsmouth, Adrian. They're, they're your League One winners for, for the Easter break. They kept the jacket on for as long as they could, but, but as soon as they put it away, the sun came out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, great start. For, for the Cowleys, of course, uh, four straight wins. What what made the Easter so so special for them is that they didn't play that brilliantly, and and they, but they still did enough to win both games. First half against Rochdale, excellent, fast start. No no John Marquis, so they've done they've done this over the last two games without their suspended top scorer. So other players have had to step in. Ryan Williams, uh, Ronan Curtis, um, have, have both done really really well. And yeah, barring that first half against Rochdale, where they were really good, the other three halves, um, including the whole match at Wigan, not fluid at all, not 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 wholly impressive on the ball. It was all pretty scrappy and and uncreative and uninspirational. But the bottom line is that they nicked a one nil at Wigan with a brilliant goal, by the way, um, from from Andy Cannon, who'd just come come off the bench strode through and a lovely run and spanked it in didn't he from from 25 yards so so yeah Portsmouth yeah they're in dreamland so far under Cowley but I think to to, to stick around in the playoff picture that they're, they're probably going to have to improve their performances um, but yeah that no one cares about that points are in the back uh, Michelle, your winners from League One are Hull. This weekend saw McCann's men earn a 2-1 win away at Crewe and then a 3-0 success over Northampton at the KCOM. Nine unbeaten, one seven of those. Looks as though they're going straight back from where they came. Took all the stats out of my mouth there, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that that win against Crew on um, Good Friday, the last gasp winner was, was so, so important to set them up for Monday, I think. Sort of not took the pressure off because they probably still feel every result has to go their way but they're starting to to pull away Malik Wilkes who I think is is such a good player at this level nicking the winner against crew and then yeah really pretty convincing against Northampton 3-0 and 
back-to-back wins, top of the league. What really went their way as well, the reason I picked them, was the fact that Peterborough and Sunderland shared the points, which benefited them. Six games to go, looking convincing, 76 points. And I just think back to Grant McCann, they stuck with him. And it just shows what can happen if you do actually stick with a manager. I know you've talked about it with Norwich and Daniel Farker, but Grant McCann deserves plenty of mentions for the job he's done at Hull this season. I don't, there's not yeah. there's not a great deal I want to add other than I don't know what the guys think but I think there's a bit of snobbery towards Hull City I think people are looking at the table and thinking that Sunderland and Peterborough are going to get promoted and I don't know if that's partly because they met yesterday I think it's probably because Sunderland yeah granted have been on a brilliant run and Peterborough are the entertainers if you like and they score an abundance of goals but when I've seen Hull City this season, they have been so organised, so immaculate. You've both just reeled off a number of stats, which tells you they are the most consistently good side right now. Scoring goals, keeping clean sheets. Um, I think Northampton didn't have a didn't muster a shot on their goal. And when you have the squad that they've got, the options to rotate the front players. Remember Clarkie talking about it um, a week or two ago. You've got Honeyman, Lewis Potter, McGuinness to start. You've got Eves, White, Crowley to come off the bench. For me, they are the favourites. And their games are the easiest. They've got the easiest running. And I, I, I don't get it, really. People expecting them to have to make do with the playoffs. For me, they've got one foot in the championship. Yeah, no, I agree. Just, uh, we've done a few stats, but there's a couple that you haven't mentioned. Home games, 20 of them conceded 10. I mean, that's that's unbelievably solid. Away games, 20 games, 43 goals on the road. I mean, those two stats alone tell you that they are a quality outfit. Should have been six or seven against Northampton. So, yeah, I'm I'm with Sam. I think they're favourites for the title. Uh, League One losers, Adrian. Oxford, you've picked this this coming a whole eight days after we bigged up their revival and and spoke about them getting back in the playoffs. But there (laughs) they go, losing to Sunderland and and Accrington. And uh, it's all... Woe is me again. It's been an emotional few days, hasn't it, for for Oxford? Um, First and foremost, I think Carl Robinson lost his head a little bit. He kind of got a bit worked up. And then he tried to find it and then he lost it again. And and he tried to find it all in the space of the same post-match whole This whole sort of headbutt thing, obviously, if it happened, it sounds like something did happen, then then it's out of order. Someone, Someone somewhere is bang out of order. But but they let it get to them, and they lost. They, they definitely lost their heads in this game, and they allowed Sunderland to to wind them up for one of a better phrase. Um, and then they go and lose um, at home to Accrington. I think the theme of of the weekend for them is something that Sam touched on. I think in the last pod about the midfield not really having that steel, not really having anyone defensive, and um, Cameron Brannigan you know, filling in as the sort of holding midfielder. Basically, from the back four upwards, you've got six forwards. And and, and they got undone by Accrington, massively. Accrington, who have been rubbish, let's be honest, lately, particularly away from home, they had 18 shots and 10 on target. The reason, and a lot of those came from in the hole where Smythe caused them all sorts of problems... A lot of that is down to Oxford's tactical approach, in, in, in my opinion, just too bold. And um, yeah, but just a bad weekend all round for, for Robinson, who I really like, but but he's, he's had a bad one. 
I think spot on, really. And I think we're seeing in the last few weeks that Carl Robinson doesn't put too much um, onus on defending. I mean, I'm sure I'd have loved to have played for him and they've developed some amazing defenders in the last few years. But Curtis Nelson, um, Rob Dickey, players that want to get on the ball and want to play, especially the two that they've got now, well, Atkinson in particular. But yeah, his, his, his starting 11s have been unbelievable and it's not in my nature to make excuses for Oxford United, but I think <laughs> there has been a lot of reasons for this, I, I suppose, inability to make into the playoffs, which is looking likely. I, I think the hangover, 100% from the playoffs, a game they would have understandably expected to win. And and even when I was sitting there at Wembley against Wickham after 70 minutes, I thought there's no way Oxford are winning this game. So it must have, uh, no way Wickham are winning this game. It must have really hurt the Oxford players. Then you've had the start to this season. You've had injuries to key players, Brannigan being one who obviously had a real bad eye, uh, eye problem. And then injuries to key players, the fullbacks in particular, who were brilliant during that great spell in the middle of the season. So a lot has transpired against them. Yeah, um, that's true. And it just looks like they're going to fall short. And it'll be interesting to see if they have the full backing of the, of the manager, because that's three years now he's been in the job. And I think he's a really good coach, Kyle Robinson. Um, but you know, that's three years where he's not been able to achieve his goal. Right, daggers across the Zoom from parking now as Michelle picks Swindon as her League oh, One losers defeats the Blackpool and Burton mean the Robins are hovering precariously above the relegation zone. And Michelle, particularly disappointing given those back-to-back away wins at, at Fleetwood and, and Bristol Rovers that preceded Easter weekend. Yeah, just turning my camera off so Sam can't put me <laughs> off on this one. But yeah, I, I went into this weekend for Swindon thinking, yeah, little resurgence recently. John Sheridan perhaps surprising a few people. I know he's not the most popular character there, but this was damaging this weekend. They were fortunate in that the teams around them also didn't do brilliantly. Um, Bristol Rovers, well, they had to win yesterday and they did that, but Wimbledon had a couple of defeats, as did Wigan and Rochdale languishing at the bottom. But just, a, yeah, like you said, a really, really poor weekend for them. Two defeats. Burton, tough place to go. We know Jimmy Ford Hasselbank has, has really revitalised them and it was never going to be easy going to Blackpool. We've just been talking about what amazing form they're in. But you'd think come off the back of that massive proverbial six-pointer um, the week before that that would have given them some momentum to go into these games. But I just worry for them. I haven't, I haven't seen them for a couple of months now in person. I haven't seen them play. But yeah, two back-to-back defeats, like we said earlier, momentum is just sliding the other way now. And it's so, so tight at the bottom of the table. They're locked now, 37 points with Bristol Rovers. But Wigan and Wimbledon are, are right behind them. And then if Rochdale get a couple of results, because they've got a game in hand on Swindon, you know, this was their opportunity this weekend to pull away a little bit like Burton have done, if they could have got at least one result, but they didn't do it. They didn't capitalise on it. And now I'm going to hide from Sam. <laughs> uh, well, Sam, you can cheer yourself up by throwing some shade the way of Doncaster Rovers. You've slipped a tenth in the table. Easy to say now, but but should they have have gone for not the cheap slash consistent option in Andy Butler and, and tried to get somebody else into to get them into the playoffs after Darren Moore left? Uh, he, he looks like a really impressive guy, actually, Andy Butler. I know you had him on the week the week I missed, and he's got various strings to his bow and. Um, Really good um, leader, excellent career. I just think 
having someone with more experience alongside him would have been potentially the way to go. Um, during a, a pandemic, it may be not easy to go out and get your number one target immediately mid-season, but to get someone who's been there and done it for him to lean on, I, I think that's probably the mistake. Um, and I see a team that is just bereft of, of any confidence right now, um, not scoring goals uh, at all. I think it's nine defeats in, in 14, three goals in the last seven. They have fallen off a cliff. And, you know, I watched the game uh, against Charlton and I wasn't as scathing as, as Matt Mills, who I was sitting with in a, in a TV studio, but um, Charlton just looked in no danger at any stage. It really was men against boys. And they play some really nice stuff, Doncaster, but just very little thrust. And um, that continues to be their problem, along with being a bit patched up defensively yesterday. They had to shuffle it around and, and make a couple of changes because they've got injuries now. So very difficult to see them getting in the playoffs. And yeah, all change, I would imagine, in the summer, especially given the managerial situation and the and the amount they rely on low knees. Yeah, Andy Butler, the former locksmith, looking for the right combination to get Doncaster back to winning ways. Can the mm. one-time police trainee arrest their slide, etc.? And so on. Um, let's move on from that quickly and get some odds on League One, please. Abby, who have um, Paddy Power got as the winners and losers, if you will? Unsurprisingly, Hull top the charts in every category regarding going up. So to win, they are even. To be promoted, they are two to nine. And for a top two finish, they are two to seven. So as far as Paddy Power concerned, Hull are the ones to watch. Um, as for the other promotion candidates, Sunderland are second favourites. They are four to nine, as are Peterborough. And Portsmouth coming in at five to two with Blackpool three to one. Into relegation, however, we see that Rochdale are still very much the favourites to go down one to seven Wigan one to six uh, Bristol Rovers two to five and uh, I find it interesting that they've got uh, Swindon below Wimbledon in their relegation odds at the moment Swindon eight to fifteen and uh, Wimbledon four to six and I uh, just want one final thing to bring up here and that's a, a thumbs up for Jerry Yates he's a uh, 25 to one to be the top goal scorer <laughs> in uh, league one thanks Abby right league two next Hey you EFL fan, have you got an athletic subscription? You haven't? Why not? This week you could be reading all about history in Harrogate from Phil Hay, Coventry City's long-awaited return home by Greg Evans, or the day the goals flew in by Nancy Frostick. There's some Premier League stuff there too, if that's your bag, each to their own. Also, you don't have to listen to me read this, because over on The Athletic, all our pods are ad-free, so an even better reason to get yourself a subscription. If you fancy a good discount too, then go to your browser, type in theathletic.com slash league show and you get all this football goodness for just £3.99 a month for six months. Now that's quality. Go to theathletic.com slash league show. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines, Cambridge, Cheltenham and Tranmere remain in the top three, while Southend and Grimsby lost ground in their respective bids to retain EFL status. Stevenage are 12 games without loss, conceding just three goals since the start of March. And Rebecca Welch was one of the big winners from the weekend as she became the first woman to referee a match in the EFL from the off. She took charge of Harrogate against Port Vale. Uh, let's get to our League Two winners then. Michelle, you've gone for Port Vale. Just mentioned them there and that win they had at Harrogate on Monday. That their fifth on the spin. Yeah. 
really pleased for Daryl Clark. It's coming good for him now. Um, got to know him a little bit when he was at Bristol Rovers. And then I think a few people maybe that don't follow this league closely. I remember my husband said to me, he's like, why is he going from Warsaw to Port Vale? Because when you looked at the table, maybe that didn't make sense uh, from an external perspective. And he had a really poor start. But since then, five wins in a row. And it's it's all gone rosy for him. They're up to 15th. They're 15 points clear, relegation trouble, six games to play. They're safe now. And I think there's plenty to look forward to next season under Daryl Clark. Maybe he can tinker with the squad a little bit, bring in a few um, players that he fancies and make a real go of it next next season. But really pleased for, for Daryl Clark. And it just shows, you know, just give people a little bit of time to settle in. Things don't, you know, it doesn't always happen when you wave a magic wand and, and things change instantly. And he's getting his message across now to his players and two really good wins over the Easter weekend. Yeah. He's got to know his best team as well, Michelle. Um, four matches in a row that he's named yeah. the same, same start in 11, which is same start in 11, cra- yeah. crazy over, over, over such a busy period. But if it's working, yeah, don't mess around yeah. with it, I guess. I guess that's a bit of a luxury given the amount of fixtures that have been coming thick and fast but I guess when you know your best 11 if they're all available to you and they're delivering results then if you don't have to change it you won't change it and I think he's played 4-3-3 for those games too so obviously found that winning formation for now. Adrian you've gone with Cambridge who unlike their boat racing counterparts couldn't secure the double over the Easter weekend but a win over Morecambe and a draw with Tranmere enough to keep them top of the table. Mark Bonner is younger than me. Is he going to be the first ever case of giving a caretaker manager the full-time job actually being a success? <laughs> well, I don't think he's, it'll be the first. I think it has worked before. Um, I think Nigel Atkins back in the day was was a caretaker and he's gone on to have quite a successful career. Um, but no, it was a great weekend for them, really. I know it wasn't maximum points, but two of the promotion rivals, I mean, they deserve to beat Morecambe. Even though hanging on a bit at the end, excellent for, for for Paul Mullen, of course, scoring against his old team, and then and then the draw at Tranmere, coming from behind to 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 take a point on a on a tough day, you know, conditions awful, windy, bobbly pitch. They, they they've got two sides to them, Cambridge. That's what I really like. They they've they can play good football because the, I think when they started this season. It was not that great in terms of the, the style, but because they were winning games, they've evolved and they're, they're playing a nice diamond now with Houlihan at the tip. The fullbacks are flying forward. They're pretty good to watch most weeks, Cambridge United, but they haven't lost what, what they had at the outset. And that's that, that grit and resilience and sort of ability to, to, to hold teams at bay. So, so yeah, for me, Cambridge are, are the team that are, that are still the most underrated side in, in, in League Two. And uh, yeah, maybe Mark Bonner's the most underrated manager too because he's done he's done amazingly. Sam, you've gone for Cheltenham. Like Cambridge, they came out with a, a win and a draw for, for from their two games over the weekend. Uh, the win against Tranmere, draw against Grimsby. Is it is it the nature of those results that that made you pick them a four 0 hammering of promotion rivals and then a kind of gritty come from behind draw? Yeah, and and more because we're running out of games now. And they've matched what Cambridge did and still have that game in hand. So just probably favour them uh, over Adrian's. But, you know, it's a bit of a toss of a coin. 
Um, I got a little bit of stick. I think a couple of Cheltenham fans called me patronising. True. Um, condescending, <laughs> I think yep. was another word. Those burner accounts who set up a working well class. <laughs> so I'm going to set the record straight about my whole life, the way I've conducted myself. Now. <laughs> um, the last thing I would do would be condescending or patronising about Cheltenham. One of the fellas tried to give me a history lesson. You know, 15 years ago, I was playing against Cheltenham and losing heavily to Cheltenham. So I wasn't disrespecting them. But what I was saying was with the tools that Michael Duff has got at his disposal over the last two seasons, I think he's overachieving. And I go along with that. You look what Bolton have got. You look what Tranmere have got. You look what they're paying their players, Bolton in particular. Go back to last season. Had some big clubs in that level. And he has consistently had them at the top of that division. And this year, if he had a striker, they'd be up already, in my mind. And I'm not saying that Alfie May's not a good player, because he is a pest. And on his day, he is a very good player, but he's not an out-and-out goal scorer. And I think that probably, I, I don't know who who, Paul, um, who calls the shots at Cheltenham, but if they'd have backed their manager, I think, and given him a little bit more firepower, they'd be looking even better right now. And, you know, that was a wonderful display against Tranmere. Talk about a team getting off the bus getting blown away within 15 minutes. I'm sure, Clarkey, we'd have been looking at each other had we been on that team and going, get us back up to Merseyside. <laughs> <laughs> to Birkenhead. I have seen enough um, because they yeah, got yeah. absolutely blitzed by the long throw and by the just the relentless nature of the performance. And it's a tight old ground, Wadden Road. I've been there myself, so apology over. Where would they be, Cheltenham, without Bentoza's throws though? I mean, it's such a weapon, isn't it? He's got seven official assists. But I, I don't have the sort of data to hand for how many goals his throws have actually caused when they've touched other people before they've gone in. But seven direct assists from, I'm guessing most from throws. Boyle, of course, the centre-half, who got the goal at Grimsby from a throw, has got six goals. It's it, That is amazing. But no, I'm with Sam. I think I think um, the gaffer at Cheltenham's done great. Really and you can has. talk about it until it gets dark, but... How do you defend against that? I mean, you can be aggressive put, man put, put for Pat man. Put Pep Guardiola on him as he goes to take it. That worked, didn't it? <laughs> I, just, I just don't know. You you can try and avoid giving away the um, the throws, you know, give away corners and, and set up as you normally would and and trust that you've done your work on a Friday. But I think the the variation in Toza's delivery is what is causing teams such problem because there's one-touch finishes, there's knockdowns. Sometimes it goes underneath the the crossbar and the keepers flapping it, it is just so difficult. If I was an out-of-contract player, actually, it wouldn't, it wouldn't apply to me because I've am quite. I I've got quite... You'd always be in contract, flint. Clark. I've got three-year <laughs> lucratives. No, 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 no. I, I was going to say about my arms. That I've got quite skinny arms. They're, they're not the strongest of arms, so it probably wouldn't work for me. But if you're an out-of-contract player in, in leagues one or two this summer, one word of advice, work on a long throw. Just be that guy. Be that guy who can just launch it into the box. Because I, pl- I played, uh, when I was at Stevenage, we had a guy that could, uh, Jude Sterling, who could launch it to the far post. And it did make such a difference to the way to the way we play. Because any time we're in the final third and it went out, you just thought, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get the knockdown here. I'm going to score. It's um, It gives you so much, so much belief. So there, there's got to be a lot more players out there that have a long throw in their locker, but don't know it yet. I think they should practice. Uh, let's rattle through the League Two losers. We'll start with Forest Green Rovers. Michelle, they're, they're your pick and they are stuttering. Oh, yeah. Bad time to stutter. Without winning five games, just one goal in that time. That was the consolation they scored in the 4-1 defeat to Bradford on Good Friday. 
come off the back of that game, they probably were looking forward to, to playing Salford, who were really out of form. They had just one win out of their last 10. So you'd think perfect opportunity, get back on the promotion charge. But um, no, just Salford were controlled. I think it was very difficult conditions yesterday, very windy. Uh, if you know where that ground is, it's uh, sort of on top of a hill, so it does get the elements. Um, but I thought the I thought they were poor. But the interesting comments from Mark Cooper is that they were um, bullied out of the game, Forest Green, and he thinks that academies coach the character out of young players. And I thought that was a really I mean Adrian and Sam probably can give a bit more insight into that than I can. Um, but just really interesting comments. And also, if you're sat in his dressing room and, and you see those comments after. You're going to respond one of two ways, aren't you? You're going to go out there and think, well, no, stuff you, I do have character, have a look at this, or you're going to go into your shell. And not the time to be going into your shell now, is it, with the, <laughs> with the home straight? And I thought Forest Green would go up automatically a few months ago. I really, really did. And they've just fallen away hugely. Yeah, I think that Mark Cooper quote kind of twofold. He obviously means it, but it's a nice way of deflecting attention away from his team's defeat as well. Um, Adrian, you've gone for Exeter City, Draw with Mansfield, defeat to Port Vale, three shots on target over those two games. Am I imagining it or has there just been a sense of malaise over Exeter City all season? Kind of Oxford style, just never got over what happened at the end of last season. Uh, maybe, but we, we spoke to the manager, didn't we, Matt Taylor? And and he expected it. He, he said that my, my players are inexperienced, they're young and... One week they're going to look great because they're talented, and another week they they won't be at it because that's what happens, and 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 that has been the story of of their season. It was a rubbish Easter for them. I mean, the the, the game at Port Vale that they were pretty dreadful. Um, he was really fuming. I think I think with the team, he changed changed the defence quite quite uh, markedly for the for the next game. Home to a Mansfield team that are in rotten form themselves, and you'd expect them to to swat them aside, but just one shot on target in that game against against Mansfield. Yeah, he changed both centre-backs for that game and and a central midfielder. So he, so he pulled no punches, Matt Taylor, but he didn't, he didn't get the reaction. So, yeah, really flat, sort of limp couple of games for, for an Exeter team that, that have got everything to play for. Um, but look, I suppose given what's happened to them in recent years, maybe they just don't fancy being in the playoffs again. It's, it's scarred them too much. They'd, they'd maybe just just rather go again next season. But it's um, yeah, yeah, a, a poor weekend for them. Uh, also, for our final pick, Sam, you've chosen Bolton. Poor weekend for them too. Only managed to draw at home to Colchester, and and then they lost at Newport again. Another team we've been bigging up in recent weeks. Yeah, I think I think context is everything here because they've. I think they've been the best team in the world, haven't they? Or, or Europe or something. <laughs> That's the. Uh, they're on the, the best the, run in English the, football, is what the um, best unbeaten run in English football. There you go. Yeah. So Not before now. I get like um, Paddy McGuinness and Sarah Cox and Amir Khan <laughs> and Peter Kay and uh, who else we got? Paul Joe Crilly off as Bolton fans. Joe Crilly um, abusing me. Um, they, they have been amazing. So from their standards, um, I thought the Colchester performance was was really poor. Um, not their usual self um, at all. But against Newport, dominated the ball, loads of chances. Kieran Lee missed two in particular. Newport changed at half-time and was slightly better and were able to get the three points. So no panic at all. Just with those extra five points, would have had them joint second. And uh, I'm sure people that have been rushing to the bookies over this brilliant um, 
run of form would have been rubbing their hands together. So a missed opportunity, that's all it is. I still have them as definite certs for that top three in my mind. And I did that game yesterday and they just couldn't hit a barn door. Kieran Leach had a hat-trick in the first half and... Yeah, I was going to say name names, Michelle, but you went straight in. Well, there we are. Just while we're on that, Michelle, as you mentioned, you were at Rodney Parade. What what was the pitch like? Was it a lot uh, better? Or? Well, I mean, it's never that much better. But I know they've had a rest from it while they played at Cardiff. But uh, it was it didn't help Bolton's cause the way it was bobbling up. But it didn't help Newport either. You know, Newport do like to play football when they can, and. Um, they, on the basis of the first half, um, it did bobble a few times for Bolton, but you can't make excuses for the opportunities they had. They just could not hit the target. And by the way, I don't know if you saw at the end of that, that massive goal mouth scramble. Apparently, it's not gospel, but apparently the referee asked Nick Townsend in the Newport goal if the ball went over the line, like he's going <laughs> to say yeah. I was, like, I was like, what? So, um, yeah, that was an interesting one at the end of the game. <laughs> Uh, Abby, let's get some odds on League Two, please. Um, I am recording this in my kitchen. I have one minute to go through this before my timer goes off. So well, let's run through it. I know, there, so. I know, I know. It might surprise you to learn that Cheltenham are the odds on favourites, slight odds on favourites to win League Two. They are 10 to 11, Cambridge 17 to 10, and Bolton 12 to 1. Sam, you're saying that Bolton are going to be dead sets so the top three. Well, they are the third favourites to finish there after uh, Cheltenham and Cambridge. They are six to five there. And let's just quickly run through relegation because Grimsby are one to 16 to go down, Southend one to 10, and Colu 10 to 3. You still got 20 seconds to do the disclaimer? Um, oh, yeah. Odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Right, that's just about it for this week. We look forward to all those winners and losers. We've picked making fools of us all by this time next week. One member of the show, though, who's absolutely not making a fool of herself is Michelle. You've set yourself uh, quite the challenge. It involves running a long way. Can you tell us a bit more about it, please? Yeah, well, I don't have the bad half of this challenge, but um, my other half, Adam, uh, is pushing our 18-month-old in... It's a special running pram for 100 kilometres over 40 days, and I'm running alongside him behind him actually he's still faster than me and uh, yeah it's for a charity called pregnancy sickness support that supported us when i was really unwell this time two years ago um i had to stop short my season because i was just laid up in bed for weeks and weeks stretched to months couldn't move couldn't stop being sick being sick sort of 20 times 30 times a day and people said oh it's just morning sickness but it's a condition called hyperemesis gravidarum and everyone says oh that's what kate middleton had and it Pretty much it is, but unfortunately, unlike her, um, I don't have private medical care and people that could understand it fully. So it was a, a big battle, not only to to get treatment and get understood and to tr- try and make it through the pregnancy, but also just for people to sort of believe you. And it's sort of one of those things you can't understand until maybe you've been with someone that's gone through it or you maybe have a friend or a family member that has. So we're just trying to raise awareness um, to help the charity because they in turn help pregnant women who may end their pregnancies because they're going through this because they feel like they can't go on for another day. So they helped us immensely. And now we have little Zach who we're going to push for 100 kilometres. So yeah, we're doing that over the next 40 days. I've, I've tweeted a few links if anyone would like to take a look. Thank you. And the key question that I've got off the back of that is, have you sorted out your pit stops for if the nipper needs a change mid-run? Because I'm, I'm envisaging like an F1 style, you want to get it done in seven seconds, really. 
no, it, it, he's going to have to sit in it. And that sounds like terrible parenthood, <laughs> but, you know, we'll change the nappy before we go and uh, he'll be all right. Is, is, is this just an over-elaborate way of getting him to sleep or, or is he wide awake? <laughs> <in> the... <laughs> no, that, the thing is, if um, anyone who's lucky enough to have a little one knows, a danger nap is a real thing. So we try and time it around him not having a danger nap, but often it happens. And I'm like, why have you let him fall asleep? And all he's done is just run and Zach's fallen asleep. So, yeah, danger naps are a real danger on this challenge. Well, listen, we wish you the best of luck with it. Uh, at Michelle Owen 7 is the Twitter page to go to to find out all of the details. Uh, don't forget to join Ali and George for the Totally Football League show Extra Time on Thursday. We'll be back in our usual Monday slot next week. Until then, from all of us here, goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.